I'd like us to consider uh, this morning Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 23 How canst thou say I am not pellucid? I have not gone after bailing See thy way in the valley Know what thou hast done Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. How canst thou say I am not polluted? God here describes the whole nation which defies him as polluted. During the first five years of Jeremiah's ministry, Idols were still being openly worshipped in Judah. Even where idolatrous altars had been taken down, many continued to hanker after them in their hearts. In our society today, people are very concerned about the pollution of the environment. But few seem concerned about the nation's moral and spiritual pollution. When non-believers reject God and do what is right in their own eyes, they think that they are being virtuous. And so Judah here is claiming not to be polluted. Just as many people in Britain today think that the casting off of the Christian faith and replacing it with cultural Marxism or a philosophy of human rights and equality is something very virtuous. People genuinely believe that their anti-Christian philosophies represent progressive enlightenment. And we are governed by people who believe this. But we are being governed by people with a completely different worldview to ours. God is saying to our nation today, how canst thou say I am not polluted? Now modern Britain and we can just see this by looking around us, is so much more removed from a Christian identity uh, than it was, say, in 1945, uh, when, by God's grace, it was finally rescued from a long and punishing war. Now, we do not for one moment pretend that the nation was full of Christians 75 years ago. It was certainly not. Nevertheless, there was still a general acceptance of Christian morality and a willingness to have a public identification with Christianity. Today, however, such a situation no longer prevails. Indeed, the Law Commission is currently considering a change to 
hate crime legislation, whereby it would become a criminal offence to speak against multiculturalism. Can you believe that? I mean, whatever makes this country worth living in, it has been the monoculture of the Christian faith. Not multiculturalism. A social anthropologist called Jeffrey Gora once wrote the following words about the condition of Britain in 1950. I quote, In public life, the British are certainly among the most peaceful, gentle and courteous and orderly population that the civilised world has ever seen. Control of aggression has gone to such remarkable lengths that you hardly ever see a fight in a bar and football crowds are as orderly as church meetings. End quote. Now, that man was not writing from a Christian perspective. He was a social scientist observing the state of the nation in the 1950s. Back in the 1950s, television had not managed to lower people's threshold as to what is decent and what is not. In British High Street, on a Sunday in those years, the shops would all have been shut out of respect for the Christian Sabbath. Even non-church girls would have respected that principle. In schools, there would have been no apology for an overtly Christian assembly every day with hymn singing and prayers offered up in Christ's name as representing the only truth. In the 1950s, people cared more about how they dressed. There would have been a reluctance to swear in public places. If a man and a woman lived together outside of marriage, they called it living in sin. Can you imagine anyone doing that today? Now, generally speaking, the churches in the post-war period have failed to offer any effective defence against declining moral standards and increasing secularisation. Indeed, the churches have tended to swim with the liberal secularist time. The godlessness of contemporary Britain is now deep-seated and long-standing. Indeed, the nation is actually trying to shake off its Christian heritage, and the multi-faith bandwagon rolls on stronger and stronger. Verse 23 then, How canst thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after vainly. 
Judah in Jeremiah's time was a nation guilty of persistent rebellion against God. This rebellion, including the worshipping of false gods, in direct defiance of God's commandments. Now these false gods are referred to here as Baalim, or the Baals. I am, at the end of a word in Hebrew, uh, denotes the plural, for example, cherubim. Now Baal was the Canaanite rain and fertility god. But there were other local gods who also went under the name Baal. That is why the word is used in the plural here. So Judah was being attracted by the false gods of the nations, especially of the Canaanites, people who centuries earlier God had driven out of the Promised Land precisely because of their idolatry and wickedness. Uh, and so we see here a, a love of all that is foreign uh, and a looking down upon the nation's own religion. Now, the amazing thing was that Judah still also claimed to worship Jehovah as they prayed to the false gods at the same time. They used their other gods as lesser gods and mediators, simply helping them in their worship of Jehovah. In this way, multi-faith Judah rejects the faith handed down to them by their forefathers. If they had really loved the one true God, they would never have gone off to other nations looking for religious inspiration. We go back to the 1960s, we, we, we think of the Beatles, what did they do? They, they went off to India to look for religious inspiration. There's this fascination that it, if it comes from abroad, oh, there must be something special about it. And of course, Christianity in any case is not a national religion, it's the religion of the whole world. But you see, the forces of cultural Marxism like to identify Christianity with the nasty, imperialistic West. It's one of the ways they try and undermine the Christian faith. Now, the Lord caused the idolatry of Ju Judah here a pollution. To worship a false god is a defining of God's holiness and a contamination of the worshipper's own person. This is why the Council of Apostles and Elders, which met as recorded in Acts 15, highlighted the need for the Gentiles converted from their false worship to no longer have anything whatsoever to do with their former idolatrous practices. So, 
those Gentiles in the New Testament period who, who were converted from the worship of the Greek gods were told, do not have anything to do with that former false worship. Acts 15 verse 20 We write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication. Verse 29 And abstain from meats offered to idols. And so this complete separation from false religion is so vital. Because idol worship, false religion, creates an exposure to evil spirits. That is what we are talking about. False religion is ultimately demonic. Uh, But well-educated people today tell us that the the great religions of the world uh, must come together in the interests of multicultural harmony. Very few are willing to counter that argument. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 20 Paul tells us the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice the devils and not the God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Now, idol worshippers might imagine that they worship Baal or Molech or Diana or Jupiter, but such gods do not in any case exist. However, it is Satan and his demons who have inspired this false worship. And modern Britain is also drifting back into ancient paganism in terms of the worship of Mother Earth or Mother Nature. And this is very much connected with the Green Movement, the environmental movement. Do not offend Mother Earth. They are telling us there's too many people in the world. COVID-19 has come, they tell us, because we've offended Mother Nature. That's paganism. That's false religion. COVID-19 is God's warning to the nations to humble themselves before him, not before the created earth. Now, even the atheist who acknowledges no gods and no being called Satan has nevertheless been brought to his position through the work of Satan. The atheist holds a religious position. He will deny it, but the atheist takes up a creedal position. And it's a cross-rejecting position, therefore it is inspired by Satan. So, all non-believers are not in a state of neutrality or innocence. They are actually labouring under a devil-induced deception. We see this in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 
and verse 4, Paul tells us that the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Also, in Revelation 18 and verse 23, uh, we are told that concerning Babylon, by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. By thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Now, that is God's decree against Babylon, which represents this whole unbelieving world. Unbelief, then, is nothing less than a satanic deception. And we need to understand that even people who claim to base all their beliefs on science are nevertheless deceived by Satan. Now, we live in an age where the nation is putting all its trust in science. But as Bible-believing Christians, we surely know that there is no such thing as uniform science which represents absolute truth. We see this in the whole issue of creation and evolution. All the scientists who are currently advising the government about COVID-19 will also be scientists who say that the biblical account of creation is unscientific. They will be evolutionists. They will claim that evolution from a single cell over billions of years is a scientifically proven thesis. But they are wrong. As Bible-believing Christians, therefore, we have a duty to be discerning when government conducts policy and claims that it is based on science. We have a duty as Christians to ask questions. We are being told at the present time that science has proven that there is such a thing as asymptomatic transmission of the coronavirus. And all government policy is based upon that scientific thesis that someone without any symptoms of the virus can nevertheless pass it on. Even a perfectly healthy person can pass it on. Now, I'm not asking anyone to take sides on this issue. All I'm asking for is an open mind. The science is not uniform. For example, two uh, eminent pathologists, Dr. Claire Craig and Dr. Jonathan Engler, have said that the scientific case for asymptomatic transmission of COVID-19 is woefully inadequate. And yet all government policy is based upon this assumption. As Christians, it's desperate that we provide some kind of leadership and 
centre of hope for people all around us who are wrapped with fear. Now we've got to be very careful. One of the distressing things about this virus, which, which I have noticed, is that reactions to it divide Christians. They even divide Christians within our own constituency. I have a number of pastor friends with whom I generally agree about everything. But we find ourselves on different sides of the fence regarding COVID-19. We've got to learn as Christians to acknowledge these differences and amicably agree that yes, that's your opinion based on the science uh, and we've also got to recognise that there are other opinions based upon the science. We've got to do this in an adult, intelligent, charitable man, always preserving the unity of the body of Christ. But what we must not do as Bible-believing Christians is just accept something as true because a government scientist says it is true. We have a duty as Bible-believing Christians not to do that. Because what is science? It's the study of God's world. And we know that the scientists frequently get it wrong, particularly with respect to evolution. That suggests they could be wrong on other matters. So, we have to have an intelligent debate. We're going to get people, fellow Christians, on different sides. We have to speak the truth in love. But we have to apply a discerning mind to what the government is doing because our economy is being wrecked. Businesses are being destroyed. Young people's education is being thoroughly messed up. We as Christians have a duty to speak upon these things. I, I was speaking to a cafe owner in High Wycombe on Thursday. Their business was just picking up. They have to uh, pre-buy-in stock in anticipation of more customers. Suddenly, they've got to close it all down. You know, people might say, well, going to a cafe is not essential. It's essential for the person who runs that cafe. It's their living. And I think we as Christians have a duty of concern to them, as well as a duty of concern, of course, to those who are sick. We need to think this through. And we need some biblical input, of course. Now, Leviticus 13 tells us that where you have an infectious disease, you quarantine the sick. You do not quarantine the healthy and the economically active. You quarantine the sick. Leviticus 13 deals with the whole issue of leprosy, where it was highly contagious. Now, it's not, le it's not modern leprosy, it's a different disease to what we call leprosy today. But it's a highly infectious disease. The biblical principle is to quarantine the sick, not the healthy. For example, we read in Leviticus 13, verse 24, 
If there be any flesh in the skin whereof there is a hot burning, and the quick flesh that burneth have a white bright spot, somewhat reddish or white, then the priest shall look upon it. And behold, if the hair in the bright spot be turned white, and it be in sight deeper than the skin, it is a leprosy broken out of the burning, whereof the priest shall pronounce him unclean, it is the plague of leprosy. So, in that case, uh, there will be a long-term quarantine. Uh, and then we read in verse 26 that if the priest look on it and behold there be no white hair in the bright spot and it be no lower than the other skin but be somewhat dark then the priest shall shut him up seven days. And so there will be a shorter term quarantine if there is not present all the expected symptoms. But again, there will only be the shorter term quarantine if there are some of the symptoms present, so that the priest can clearly see them. But there is no question of there being a quarantine or a lockdown when there are no symptoms present at all. We need to listen to the principles of the Word of God. Government policy is now based for COVID-19 on quarantining people who are perfectly healthy. At least as Bible-believing Christians, we should question that in an amicable spirit. We're going along with what the government says, we're observing all the regulations, but we have a duty as Bible-believing Christians to think things through and not just to say I believe it because a government scientist said so. And remember, government experts have told them that we've got to do something to make abortion easier during COVID-19. So these are government experts. We've got to allow women to take tablets at home so they can get rid of their children. You see, that's the expert's advice. It's our duty to question what the experts are saying. We're not claiming they're always wrong. They might be right. But we've just got to think things through. We are living in a nation which is polluted, Jeremiah says here. A nation which has cast off the fear of God. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the Ephesians, describes them in their unconverted state like this in Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Ephesians 2, verse 2. In time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past. And then Paul goes on, we were by nature the children of wrath. 
And so therefore it explains that every non-believer is walking according to the prince of the power of the air, which is another term for Satan. The air is the whole domain between earth and heaven. It is this world down here in which we live. It is Satan's sphere of activity and influence. All people, by their unbelief, or their false belief, are in an unwilling allegiance to Satan. We need to realise that. Not, not an unwilling, sorry, an unwitting allegiance to Satan. They, they do will it because they could come out of it. An unwitting allegiance to Satan. And so, all non-belief, all rejection of the Christian revelation is a Satan-inspired act of disobedience to God. That is the seriousness of it. Our nation today is labouring under a satanic darkness. It's refusing to turn to God in the midst of this crisis. It's turning to the scientists and the pharmaceutical companies instead. Modern Britain is rejecting the uniqueness of the Christian revelation. Exodus 20 verse 3 Thou shalt have no other gods beside me or before me. Judah in Jeremiah's day was defying the very first of God's commandments. The Lord Jesus Christ declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, There is one God, and one mediator between God and men, for man Christ Jesus. No other mediator. No one else can bring the sinner into God's presence but Jesus Christ. Acts 4, verse 12. We were displaying this verse in Beckenfield yesterday. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name but Christ. The worldly wisdom of the secular establishment now asserts that all faiths are equally legitimate. Children in schools are often taught that Christianity is just one of a number of options rather than absolute truth. Now, we respect the freedom of worship of other faiths. We welcome open debate. When we are witnessing, particularly in Slough, Muslims often come up to us and say, Jesus is not the Son of God. Jesus cannot possibly be God because he prayed to his Father. Now, when Muslims come up to us and say that, they are actually saying something 
which we regard to be blasphemous and which we regard to be highly offensive. However, we respect their freedom to say it and we are happy to engage in friendly debate with them. They can say that Jesus is not the Son of God, but are we allowed to say something negative about the Prophet Muhammad? Can you begin to see the double standards? The government looks as if it wants a position whereby you don't say negative things about other religions. How can we preach the Gospel if we can't say that other religions are false? We have to be able to say that. It's not an act of hatred to say to someone that their beliefs are false, but the government wants to make it into an act of hatred. The notion of all religions sharing a common core of values is utter falsehood. And we must challenge it. John 5, verse 23, our Lord said, He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. So if you do not regard Jesus Christ as the Son of God, dear Muslim friend, you are not worshipping God the Father. Every non-believer, be he an atheist or a follower of false religion, is labouring under a satanic darkness. Ephesians 4 verse 17 They walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the light of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Notice there how Paul does not somehow seem to rejoice in multicultural diversity. He says of those who follow the false gods that they are walking in the vanity of their mind. Being darkened, having their understandings darkened. This was the condition of Judah in Jeremiah's day. We further read in this Verse 23, Jeremiah says, See thy way in the valley, know what thou hast done. Look at your actions. There is a reference here to hideous acts of idolatry performed in a valley. This is probably the valley of Hinnom to the southwest of Jerusalem, where child sacrifices were made to the false god Molech. The people had no apprehension of the awfulness of what they were doing, as they were aligning themselves with Satan by this false worship. Did they really think that Jehovah, the one true God, the God of Israel, would accept them as they murdered their own children? So God says to them, Know what thou hast done. You have been deceiving yourselves, thinking that you are not polluted, thinking that you are essentially good. See thy way in the valley. 
A valley aptly depicts the depths of degradation into which the nation had sunk. Likewise, non-believers today need to realise that they are in a dark and wicked valley of unbelief. They need to be made aware that their view of themselves is much more favourable than God's view of them. The unbeliever's Satan-induced darkness in fact means that he is no more than a slave to the corruptions of his fallen nature. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, or the slave of sin. Now, the non-Christian, in his slavery to sin, finds false religion attractive. Along with many other kinds of sin as well. People find other religions attractive because they are not as demanding as the Christian faith is. See, the Christian faith says, for example, you only have this life in which to make your peace with God. The various Eastern religions say, well, you keep coming back. Life is a circle. Uh, There are many patterns of existence. There's no life and then the judgment as the Bible says. And so, false religion is attractive. It, it takes away the imminence of judgment. The non-Christian foolishly thinks that he is free. Preaching in Beaconsfield yesterday, many walked by just looking the other way sophisticated, well-educated people. They think that they are free. They think that they are enlightened. This is what the Lord says to the sophisticated, multi-faced nation of Judah. Again in verse 23. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. And so God calls the nation a dromedary, a young she-camel, a camel in heat, running around in a frenzied manner looking for a mate. This uncomplimentary metaphor refers to the absence in the people of any restraint upon their sin. And it particularly includes their going after false gods. Their false religion also helped to gratify their lusts. There is nothing clever and sophisticated about sin. It is base and animal-like. And so we need to be so wary of what is happening in our own nation today. Where man is king. And man's science is on the throne. Nothing must infringe upon people's human right to do whatever they want. Our society likes to think that it is progressive and liberal. Just as Judah was saying in Jeremiah's day, 
I am not polluted. Romans 3 verse 18 There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, God has brought COVID-19 in his providence. The right response to this virus is to fear God. And that's the message which we must impart to our desperately needy society. Our nation is gripped with a moral and spiritual pollution. People are being told frequently to wash their hands. We understand why that is. But no one is concerned about the uncleanness of their hearts. Forced religion should never be viewed as something harmless, simply a matter of opinion. False religion renders a man guilty before the Holy God. See thy way in the valley, know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. You see, true preaching does not pat people on the head and say, God bless you, just as you are. As we see the message which God brought to Judah in Jeremiah's day, the big question for us, as we consider this verse 23, is how is God viewing our nation today? He is asking us, how canst thou say I am not polluted? We live in a nation which dishonours the one true God, which at this very moment is trying to change the law to make it more difficult to preach the Christian gospel. We live in a nation where unbelief is thought to be progressive and liberal. We live in a nation without restraint upon sin. A nation unaware of its moral and spiritual pollution. And a nation which worships scientists. There is, however, a remedy for the nation's desperate plight. Because God is a merciful God, there is still a day of growth. We need not stay polluted. A nation is only made up of the individuals within it. And so the Christian gospel is calling each individual to turn from sin and come to Christ for mercy. Because Jesus Christ is the only saviour of sinners. There is only one true faith in this world. And even if our enlightened government says you mustn't offend other religions, we're going to say that Jesus Christ is the only way and the others are false. This is the gospel. We have to call sinners to repentance. We live in a land which is polluted. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer. Amen.